Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Mile End server. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Oh, thanks guys. I'm feeling the love. How are you? Good? Enjoyed your extra hour this morning? For some people, the nights drawing in is a wonderful thing, and they love hibernating and kind of being cosy indoors. But for some people, wintertime can be a bit tough. And if that's you, if the cold weather or the dark nights do impact you, just reach out to someone or contact us, pastoral support. We would love to help you. Ty is here. She's our pastoral lead at Myland. Um, so I just wanted to say that at the beginning. Um, I don't know if Adnan said, um, I lead pastoral care at Christchurch and oversee the courses that we run. And I'm so happy to be here today. Um, I just love coming here. It's so nice to see you all. Um, It's also half term, so it's the first day I've had without my kids in a while, so that was an extra treat. I mean, I do love them dearly, but, you know, it's nice to have a break, you know. Um, It will help if you have the notes on your phone handy or pen and paper because we're going to be doing a bit of reflection time today. I'm going to put you to good work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, But before I do, I just wanted to say something that I've been kind of carrying this week as I've been thinking and praying about my land. And I, I actually woke up feeling like there was someone here who is wondering if they belong here. And I felt God very simply say that there is a place for you. So if that is you, I hope that encourages you. So on to today. Um, As a church, as you will know, or may know, we are passionate about following the way of Jesus. So we want to know what it looks like to be loved by him. We want to learn from him and we want to live as he did. So we feel that studying the Gospels is a great way to do this. So we are going through the book of Luke, which feels like we've been doing it for a while, but it's really good to kind of chew over it slowly and really um, take in all that Jesus is teaching through these Gospels. So we're on Luke chapter 11, and the title of my talk is Choosing to Live in the Light. It's the lamp of the body. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. You may know already that there are a lot of um, references to light and dark in the Bible. And actually, this story in particular is repeated in Matthew and Mark. And sometimes when something is repeated a lot in the Bible, it means that God wants us to take notice of it. Because light is a really powerful metaphor for who God is. So where are we in Luke? We're at Luke 11. Um, I can't remember which talk you would have heard last, but I'll just briefly say what happens directly before this passage. Um, Jesus is gathering disciples. He's gathering onlookers. People are drawn to him because they want to know more about who he is and what his teaching is. And 
the, the passage just before this one, Jesus is a bit exasperated with this wicked generation because they're asking him for miracles. They want to see these miraculous signs from him. And he's kind of saying, you're missing the point. I am the Messiah. I am the one that um, you should be looking to. And he references Jonah and Solomon, and he says he is greater than wisdom than those two, which would have been quite a statement for the people who are, were listening. And then directly after this passage, he is um, exasperated again <laughs> with the Pharisees, who are basically... Um, they look kind of shiny, shiny, pearly white from the outside, but inside he really calls out their hypocrisy, the greed, the double standards. The religious words and teaching they received, they don't change them at a heart level. And God have mercy on us because the same can be true for us. We can hear these words, but actually putting them into practice can be very difficult. And so wedged into these two passages is Jesus' call to live fully in the light. He's basically saying, don't just see the light, choose to be in it and live from it. And what's very striking about this passage is that Jesus is so black and white. He doesn't say, okay, if you're mostly in the light, you're all right, you're onto a good thing. He doesn't. He says, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. The Greek translates, translates it as being single-mindedly fixed on the good. It's about having a perspective that is healthy. But when your eye is clouded or darkened, as it says in the Greek, the whole person is corrupted. So the challenge Jesus is giving us is living single-mindedly fixed on the good. So we're going to think about what it looks like to live in light rather than darkness. And just a small little um, uh, exercise for us to do is uh, I'd like everybody to close their eyes. And I, wanna, I want you to picture yourself, maybe you're getting up in the morning and you can't see and you have to go about your day. So you get up, you need to have a shower, you need to find your clothes. Maybe you're sorting your kids out. Maybe you go and have some breakfast. How difficult is it? Maybe you're bashing into things. Maybe you can't find what you need to. And then if you open your eyes, you can see how illuminating it is, how clarifying it is. It's so much easier when we can see. And it's something we often take for granted. In this passage, Jesus is using a physical illustration to make a spiritual point. Being in the light helps us live clearer lives and have a healthier perspective. Just as we physically need light, our inner lives must be full of light in order to live in it and draw others from, to him. Have I told you yet to open your eyes? But if you haven't, then do. <laughs> Otherwise, you will spend this talk in darkness, which, you know... <laughs> In the midst of this passage, Jesus is issuing a really strong command. He says, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. He's basically saying we have a responsibility to live in the light. And if we're honest, how would you feel if a light was shone on not just your behaviors, but your thoughts and your feelings? 
If it happened to me, I would feel exposed and vulnerable, and I would feel a little bit kind of cringe at the, what feels like the messiness of my inner world. And when I read this passage, I was like, oh, am I really the right person to preach on this? But then with a joyful heart, I remember that Joel and Adnan are just as flawed as I am. <laughs> I love you, really. Um, but why would Jesus issue this command that is so hard to do? Is he just setting us up to fail? Because it is so hard to achieve, like living in the light all the time, especially with everything that we see around us sometimes. And the challenge is, when we read a line like this, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness, is that in churches, if we aren't careful, we can preach the message that God loves you, but you've messed up and you need to try harder. And then we just go away feeling bad. And so Jesus' commands that are quite black and white can be quite problematic to us. Because we can either feel like, oh, I've missed the mark yet again. What a wretched person I am, I'm never going to be good enough. Or we can try and be better than we are and give the impression that we have our lives in order, but on the inside we really don't. And then you have a disconnect between what's going on inside and what you're projecting on the outside. Or we just ignore it. We, maybe we kind of explain away Jesus' command and think, oh, maybe he meant something different or I'll deal with it another day. But each of these responses are unhealthy. They're not life-giving. They're self-focused rather than Jesus-focused. And when we take home the message that we've got to try harder to be better, it's such a heavy weight to carry. And then that's what leads us to escapist patterns of behavior and thinking. There are too many people leaving the church because they feel like it's about rules and regulations and they miss the grace message. Who wants to be beaten over by a stick every time they open the Bible or attend church? Because the reality is that no amount of trying will mean that we are full of light. Because we are flawed human beings. I've tried to be perfect and it is so... Well, firstly, it doesn't work. And it is also so exhausting. But Matthew 11:28 talks about a different kind of weight, Jesus' yoke and not our own. And so being full of light becomes something that we can do when we're living in Jesus' light rather than our own man-made attempts. So we want to obey Jesus' command to live in the light, but we obey in light of God's grace. We choose to live in the light and not the shadows. So what's significant about Jesus' light? We're just going to look at two properties of light and have a little reflective exercise. So number one, light warms. It's very hard to imagine it on a day like today, but don't you just love the feeling of the sun when it comes out and it's beating down on you? It's definitely one of my favorite things. God's light does this. His, its warmth has a transformational impact on us. His warmth is his grace to us. The image I kind of had as I was writing this was when you come in from the cold and you sit by the fire, you can come and take your layers off and be warmed. And God's grace does that. We can come in and sit in Jesus' presence and take off any layers of feeling bad about who we are or what we've done. The closer to the light we get, 
the more the darkness fades. Jesus has already taken the punishment for anything we've ever said or done. And we are called his sons and daughters. So we can come into his presence without fear of punishment. And that is such a wonderful gift to us. Psalm 139 verse 7 to 12 says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will be, not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There is nowhere we can go physically or emotionally where God isn't, regardless of how we feel and what we're facing. So we're going to take 30 seconds now and reflect on God's warmth and grace and love to us. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and just we'll leave 20 seconds or so for us to just meditate on this. You're very welcome to close your eyes and then you can open them after or you can have a look at the candle on the screen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love over us. I thank you that you love every single person here deeply. And I pray in this moment, would you show us your love? Amen. So the light warms and the light reveals. When the light is shone, we see things as we really are. And when we're in God's light, we don't need to hide because we do it from a place of knowing that we're loved. If we go back to Psalm 139, David says right at the end of the psalm, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And what I love about this is that it is a whole psalm, and these are the last two verses in the whole psalm. So David is firstly meditating on God's love and acceptance of him, and then he asks him to search his heart. And I think this is a really good model for when we come to God, when we've got things that we need to confess or repent of. So often, I will just go straight to, oh, I did this wrong, and I did this wrong. But actually, doing it, I've, I've started doing it differently and doing it from a place of meditating on God's love for me, knowing that I am accepted, daughter of his, and then coming with whatever I need to bring, it just completely reframes it from me. And it stops me feeling any kind of self-imposed sense of condemnation.
God loves you and you are more than the worst thing you have ever thought or done. And he loves it when we turn back to him. Are there areas of darkness in our lives that don't reflect the fullness of life that he has for us? How is our relationship with ourselves, with God and with other people? Sometimes we can think if a behavior isn't impacting other people, it doesn't matter, but it does because it, it um, damages our souls. We're going to take another 30 seconds and I'm going to pray and lead us in a prayer where we're asking God to search our hearts. So again, feel free to close your eyes or look at the candle. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of love. And we come before your light now. And would you search our hearts? Would you test our thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting? Amen. So we know the light warms, the light reveals. There are so many other things I could say about the light, but um, for time's sake, I'm going to move on. So not in our strength, but his. We choose not to be good in our own efforts, but we can be full of God's light rather than our own. But how do we maintain it? It's easy to feel like, yes, full of God's light on Sunday, but then Monday morning comes and, oh, actually, it's quite difficult. So three ways. Number one, make time to be in the light. If we don't make time to be in Jesus' light, we gradually fall into darkness. It's human nature. We are designed to need regular refueling, whether that's sleeping, eating, if we stop exercising, our bodies deteriorate. If we stop learning, our brains stop maturing. It's the same principle. You become what you make time for. We can't cheat the system, unfortunately. Who you spend time with and what you look at literally shapes your brain. I've been reading about this, that this week. And the same is true for worship. We become what we make time for. We are designed to worship something, whether that's food, celebrity, sex, sport. How can we incorporate more of God's light into our lives? Well, any habit expert will tell you, make it an incremental change. Otherwise, it just won't happen. So if you currently read your Bible once a week, don't start saying, okay, I'm going to read it seven days a week for half an hour at a time. It won't, I, I'm pretty sure it won't last. <laughs> um, why not just... Try reading it one more time this week. If you know you want to build healthier relationships, maybe just commit to visiting a community or um, reaching out to someone who um, inspires you spiritually. So we make time to be in the light. And secondly, we deal with unhelpful thought patterns or behaviors. Now, you might know exactly what is preventing you from living fully in the light right now. But knowing what it is and being prepared to do something about it is quite different. 
And sometimes when I'm in this situation where I kind of know I need to change, but I'm not quite ready, the prayer that I pray is this, God, help me to be willing to sort this out. And it is amazing how quickly he answers those prayers. So it might be problematic behaviors that are very obvious, such as getting drunk, overeating. It could be pornography. But it can just as easily be subtle behaviors that maybe don't feel like they make a difference but steal your joy day to day. Maybe it's anxious thinking. Maybe it's catastrophizing. Maybe it's black and white thinking, complaining. When you're ready, it's so good to make a point of confessing and turning away from it. But I don't want to be too kind of simplistic here. It can be really hard. And this is where community is so important. The steps course, community, pastoral support, we are all here to support you. I'm working on my stuff, you work on your stuff, and let's do, let's do it together. Think about what you might replace the negative behaviors with. If, if um, drinking too much is a problem for you, then the night that you would have gone out drinking, go and do something you enjoy. Don't just make it an empty night because that is going to be no fun. Go do something that you absolutely love and have a great time. One example of a replacement behavior for me is um, I was finding that I was just kind of I was getting to be a bit kind of Eeyore in my thinking, and by that I mean a bit kind of glass half empty, and I just found myself just being a bit negative sometimes. And I really decided I wanted to do something about it. So I decided to, um, every night before I go to bed, I write down three things that I was grateful for that happened in the day. They're not major things. Sometimes it was things like the sun came out, if I'm really clutching at straws. But actually what it's doing, it's training my eyes to notice the light. I'm building new neural pathways in my brain. So I'm more, like over time, I'm more geared towards the light rather than darkness. So replacement behaviors are really important. So we deal with unhelpful thought patterns, behaviors, and lastly, we share the light. The passage is clear, we aren't to hide the light we've been given. And we don't wait until we're fixed before thinking God can use us as lights. At the moment that you made a commitment to follow Jesus, his light has been in you. John 8 verse 12, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light has been given to us already, but we have a choice whether we walk in it or not. Regardless of who you are, what your story is, he wants to use you. Oh, I'm going to forget the pronunciation again, but I love Irenaeus. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, his quote, the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. It means us combining our skills, our passions, and context to live fully as he intended. Maybe that's in business. Maybe that's a homemaker. Maybe that's a student or in ministry. Maybe you love starting things or you love creating. Go do it all with the grace God has given you. And as you do, your light will shine, as verse 36 so beautifully says. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of, a lamp, of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. So, 
what we're going to do now is just take a bit of time to reflect on what we've heard. There's going to be some questions that come up, and we're going to have five minutes. And this is where it might be handy to write in the notes or just sit and think. Or if you don't want to reflect, that's fine. You can just listen to the music. So the three questions are, um, firstly, write down one way that we want to live in the light this week. Secondly, are there any specific areas of darkness in your life you've been made aware of? And what might be the first step in bringing more light into this area? And just to say here, the more specific you are, the more it will help you and the more you're likely to do it. Oh, and if, you're really, if you like this kind of habit thing, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, is brilliant on habit formation. Um, and thirdly, what would it look like for you to be a light in your world this week? So we're going to take five minutes. I think some music is going to be played at the back. Um, and I will be up to close in a few minutes. Can you imagine if each of us knew with greater certainty how much God loves us? And can you imagine if out of that place we each decided to take more steps living in the light? What would the impact be on, our, on ourselves, within ourselves, but also in our relationships and our communities? God's desire for us is to be full of joy ultimately. I've told you this so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, John 15, 11. That doesn't mean that things are always simple or life is easy, but it's our perspective that shifts. His desire is for this joy, and every command he makes is to move us towards that place. When we're motivated by um, God's love rather than our own efforts, it changes our motivation. We want to live in the light rather than feeling like we should. So we're going to stand now and we're going to have some time of worship. Just to say, with your reflection questions, you might find that sharing it with someone might be helpful. Sometimes it's just helpful to kind of verbalize it, whether that's in your community or with um, your friends or loved ones and loved ones. Um, I'm gonna, why don't we stand? We're going to worship in a sec. I'm just going to pray before... Father God, I thank you that you are light. There is no darkness in you. You are 100% good. You are love. And God, I thank you that as we come towards the light this evening, the darkness disappears. I just have this image of us walking towards the light and literally the darkness fading. And maybe you're here today and you are carrying some level of darkness. Maybe it's world events that are getting you down or just things that are going on inside. And the encouragement that I have, that I just sense God speaking is, come to me. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're finding things difficult, if you're struggling, or if you just want more light, he's there. And he has open arms for us. 
All we need to do is just come. And so, Lord God, we choose to come towards you right now. Would you come by your Holy Spirit and reveal to us more of this light that you are? Take away the darkness, God, and would you bring your light? Thank you, Jesus. We give you our offerings. We give you what we have. And we ask you to use it for your glory.